Yeah. And potatoes. Um, that is so funny. It's sad. <laughs> Look, if I'm in a real world situation, oh, morality's back. Hey, hey, welcome to Bonus Barrel. I'm Rob, and with me today is... Shelby! Left! And Seiji. Here we are, guys. The end of the list. Finally. After, I guess this is a month. It's a month. It's been a month-long adventure. Holy crap, and we have been. planning. Yeah, we, <laughs> we thought we would... Optimistically, at the very beginning, we're like, we'll get it done in one episode, maybe two parts. And <laughs> we, with squeezing some strained conversations, we somehow managed to just get it down to four episodes. For long episode, we kind of succeeded a little bit because I feared it would have been eight or ten episodes. So I guess we met kind of halfway in between, which is good. Why don't we do uh, top 100 sports <laughs> yeah. games next? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah welcome to Bonus Bill. We games. just list things from here on out. Oh, so let's let's give a little bit of a shout out to our friends, uh, the Cartridge Club. Our, uh, so they stole my robot, which is, of course, Seiji, and had him make a <laughs> list. They're doing their top. CC and I think you three should all put oh, your yeah. list in when we're done to P1 so we can all be part of that their mega list but basically the site which is much bigger than bonus barrel is having all its members put in their top 100 list and um, yeah which is pretty cool and then another thing they're doing I don't know if you guys have heard or listened to the latest CC weekly but they're going to be basically compiling all the 100 games into one video and having a member speak about a minute on each one so it's gonna be like this big mega video with everybody having like a little blurb about each game so it's pretty cool yeah that's cool and if P1 and P2, who I know are listening, Seiji signed up on the forums. I did. So there you go. That's yeah. the big deal. I actually posted <laughs> on one of the like welcome posts. Oh, did you? Nice. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be on, I'm recording with them on Sunday for their next, uh, for their proper episode. I'm pretty excited about that. Ooh, nice. So, you know, look forward to hear, hearing me guys without you guys. That's going to be, that's going to be hard, eh? What's what's Rob without Shelby, Lef, and Seiji? So are you guys excited to finish this list? Kind of, but it's kind of sad too. Yeah, it's like it's like the end of an era. It's like when you finish a good book. Oh, you know, we're yeah. al- we're already talking about uh, next episodes and our and our uh, this year's Valentine's Day episode. We're already mm-hmm. working a little bit on that. So, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> we're never gonna. Unfortunately, we're never gonna have another episode sixty nine unless we do like a comic books, like a Marvel comics, <laughs> you know, rebranding of Bonus Barrel every year, so that we can keep hitting sixty nines on Valentine's Day. So, unfortunately, that. But I, I'm hoping we can make the Valentine's tradition of us playing <laughs> potentially shitty dating games. So. So that's, anyways, no one cares about that. I'm rambling here like it's a normal episode. Are we ready to do this? Is anything, want to say anything else before we start doing number 10? Oh, I don't know if I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) This top 10 is a weird top 10. And the fact that it's this top 10 from four people, like as soon as I say number 10, nobody's list out there anywhere ever will have this game in their top 10 list. Never. I don't know how this game got to 10. That's that's the shocking <laughs> I, I thing. I don't know either, but it's there. And so, well, let's just go into it. All right. Number 10. <laughs> Proud to present Dragon Ball Advanced Adventure. That's wow. number 7 <laughs> on my list. 29 on Seiji's. 90 on left. No points even necessary for me. I no didn't have to jack it up. So this 
is a lost episode <laughs> that we never put out. We recorded it. This is pre-Shelby era. Spoiler alert, because I don't know if it's ever going to come out. This game received no damage from us, but we did do an episode on it. But Dragon Ball Advance Adventure for the Game Boy Advance is a side-scrolling Dragon Ball, just original Dragon Ball series game that came out in like the mid-2000s. What do we say about this game? I know what I'll start with. I'll start with this. This game is deceptively expensive and rare. I saw this. <laughs> I saw this game complete in box in mint condition at a just a used game store, just sitting there for like forty bucks. And and I, I hummed and hawed for like two weeks. Like, do I buy it? So I, I picked it up because I want to get every Dragon Ball game. And uh, then I only found out thereafter that the card alone goes between sixty and eighty dollars, and the complete in box is like one fifty to two hundred. And it's insanely expensive. I think it must have had a low print run, and no one talked about it because it's a great game. They had a someone came into this place and dropped off like five or six complete in box Dragon Ball games, and I think I bought most of them. It was like the Dragon Ball Super Sonic Warriors and the uh, Legend of Goku games, and I, I bought the Dragon Ball Advance Adventure one. And I, I think it was I think it was even sitting on my shelf for a while before I played it, and we wanted to do an episode on it. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna play this thing, and it's it's great. It's a great game. <laughs> This game, I played it when I was in the time in my life where I didn't have enough money to spend on games. So I, I kind of, not ashamed, but it's not something that, I, that I'm proud of, but I played this game originally on, on an emulator. Oh my god, Seiji. But this game was part of a big batch of games that I played on emulator that I got to know in emulator form back when I was still in school. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, this is such a great game. How come nobody has mentioned this game ever? Never, never seen it like recommended by anyone or in magazines or anything like that. And I remember just having a blast playing this game. It feels incredible. And please uh, keep in mind that I played this on a keyboard probably. Oh emulator. God, yeah. It has this quality, the, the animation, everything feels very, very, very good. It's about Dragon Ball. It's not Dragon Ball Z. It goes right to the end of, of Dragon Ball, right? Right past the Piccolo arc to the, to the last tournament. I think it goes all the way past that, doesn't it? I think the last boss is uh, King Piccolo. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't, doesn't do the last arc of Dragon Ball, but right up to the last arc. And another thing that I want to mention about this game is that du during the unveiling of the list, we never mentioned the score. Because it's not really relevant, but I think it, it at this point is relevant because like number 11 has 242 points mm -hmm. and Dragon Ball Advanced Adventures has 243 points. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just, just like squeaked by the one point. So if any 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 of us would have changed the score, put some point here and there, this this game would have wouldn't have made it to the to the top ten. But I'm so was... happy that this game is here. Me because, too, man. because sure, it's not a game that you will see in a lot of lists, but it's a game that really deserves the attention because it's like the biggest hidden gem ever. It's so, an upset. Yeah. And, and I think it, it's, it was held back by the fact that it's a licensed game. And at this time, the most popular Dragon Ball games coming out were the RPG series, the action RPG, like The Legend of Goku 2 and, and Boost Fury and all that stuff. And I don't think people were expecting this. And also, Dragon Ball Z is much more popular than Dragon Ball. I, I personally love both series. I mean, you guys know I'm a massive Dragon Ball fan. Uh, but I think the fact that this is Dragon Ball, it was... It, it was somewhat late in the Game Boy. I mean, the Game Boy, the DS came out in 2006, so it's kind of late-ish. I don't know. Uh, it, its Metacritic score is about 75. It's not super high. The user score is an 8.6, so people, players seem to like it. It's just, it, like you said, it's like the perfect hidden gem. If you don't like Dragon Ball, it doesn't matter. The game is still really, really fun and pretty. 
I definitely agree with with all that, and the, it's kind of funny how this game is number ten on the list. Like it's such a crazy thing to have made it this far, and it was a little political as well because it wasn't even on my list. And then Rob like messaged me one day and was just like, "Come on, why aren't you including Dragon Ball Advance <laughs> Adventure?" And I was like, "Okay, that that that's why I put it at ninety because you know this is a great game." And yeah, it is. for for me, the Game Boy Advanced is um, a handheld that I I never really got to experience at the time, um, but ever since meeting Rob. He's been actually showing me a lot of Game Boy Advance games that are just so really, ones, really good. And this may be one of the best ones I've played for Game Boy Advance so far, anyways. Um, so I really, really enjoyed this game. It was just, and like, like Sage said, like this is Dragon Ball, not Dragon Ball Z, which even kind of, to me, is even more endearing. And it just, it, it brings Dragon Ball together. And this is like probably the best Dragon Ball game ever, whether it's Z or GT or just Dragon Ball. You know, in oh, my is, opinion, yeah. this is definitely the best one. And, you know, it shows on the list, obviously. Dragon Ball Z, it lends itself really well to fighting games and maybe over-the-top action games. But not so well to, th- like, beat-em-ups and stuff. It's like, you can't buy that Goku who can destroy a planet is fighting a bunch of fucking thugs. It doesn't make any sense. However, Dragon Ball, I've always felt is ripe for that stuff because the power levels weren't at a point where it was too unreal to imagine threats yeah. existing Very in this fair, world. Yeah. So the fact this is an action action-adventure game is perfect. I mean, or platformer, I should say. Like, it fits well. The enemy's coming. Goku, yeah, he's tearing them apart, but, you know, he's getting shot, and we know Goku can take a bullet, but it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. He's, he's still vulnerable at this point. Even if he's superhuman, which is what I think is why I wish we could see more Dragon Ball RPGs and stuff, because it just, you know, when you're when you're playing Dragon Legacy of Goku 2 and you're fighting snakes, <laughs> when you're grinding <laughs> on snakes and bears in the forest as Goku is a Super Saiyan, I just I, I was able to suspend my disbelief, but it never I never stopped thinking about the fact that that's ridiculous. Yeah. In terms of mechanics, to me, it's really unique to uh, I cannot think of another game that is like this one. It has elements of different games. Like Turtles in Time uh, has some elements. They use the beat em up mechanics to, for like a fighting game that they have in Turtles in Time. But in this one, they don't have like like a three dimensional space in 2D. You know how you have different planes in, in 2D? It's a little bit like Kirby too, like floaty jumps and things like that. Yeah. But imagine Kirby, but he doesn't do the flying thing, right? It feels kind of like that. The fighting style is is very beat em uppy. Yeah, little combos and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The the, the power ups are great. You just have to play. You have to experience this game. It really is like that perfect hidden gem as you as you guys mentioned. So that is why I'm really really happy that it's number ten. And there's also there is guns in the game, Shelby, so you can probably enjoy it. But you don't <laughs> shoot anything yourself, so I don't know. Hopefully, you could find a way to like this game though. All right, well, I have nothing more to say about Dragon Ball. I think it's the biggest upset on this list. People are going to be angry and shocked. But, uh, you know, before you get too mad and start typing angry tweets play at it. us, play the game. And, and and then if you're still angry, then feel free to message left receipt. This list is going to upset a lot of people, like the yeah. top 10. I think it's going to divide a lot of people. And, Which yeah. leads us to the next one, number nine. Final Fantasy 7. Before we get into this game, uh, I have some things to say about this game. Because it's my number one on the list, and Left's 27, has 37 BB points, all from me. And the reason that I have more to say about this than probably anything else is because the game means way more to me than I realized. I wasn't really a gamer until I played two games in my life, Pokemon Red and Blue 
and Final Fantasy VII. Now, I had played games before, and I loved them. I loved Super Mario World and stuff, but I didn't have money to buy them at that age. I, I bought comics and stuff because they were more affordable, and I really loved Spider-Man. So at the time, I, I had games around. I liked games, but I wasn't a gamer. I, I just really wasn't able to. Now, I received this game when I was in high school, and at that time, I, I had a job. So I got this game, and I was playing it, and I had never played an RPG before. Nothing intense, at least. So it felt really weird to me. Uh, I wasn't used to them at all. So I stopped for a bit. I got to the Scorpion boss, and then I stopped playing the game. I was like, this is weird. It's dark. I don't understand what's going on. Where's Mario? So then I was at school, and someone let me Pokemon. Pokemon Blue, of course, or Red. That was like the first RPG that I, I got sucked in. So it was like the perfect entry RPG for me. You know, I got hooked in the Pokemon. I was like, man, I really like the mechanics of this game. This is fun. Definitely did not say those words because I never even thought about game mechanics at that age. But that's that's what really happened. So then I booted Final Fantasy VII back up. And then I, at that point, I got hooked on RPGs like nothing else. And and honestly, well, as I go on, it's more than just the fact that I got hooked to RPGs. I, I think it's a pivot in my life where things change entirely. Like I might not be here like talking to you guys right now if I hadn't have played those two games because I don't think that maybe I would never have gotten into gaming if that was the case. So when I think about Final Fantasy VII and how much it means to me, uh, the stories, the setting, the atmosphere, they all sucked me in and it just, like, my imagination exploded. Like the cast of characters, the music. It's the first OST I ever listened to over and over and over, and I still own the physical copy of it. There's just something that, about this game that really latched onto me as a kid. You know, I would rush home to play it, and, and I did play it. I played it many, many times over. It's one of, probably one of my most beat games. I uncovered as many secrets as I can. I, I still have my original guidebook. It's beat up. It's like kind of falling apart. But I still have the same one that I had back then because I would play it over and, and I just wanted to unlock everything. The first time that a, a pivotal character died, and I won't say who because everybody knows except Seiji, and I'm still holding out hope that he might play the game or, or the remake or something. How has he not been spoiled? That's what my fucking question is. Like, how do you not, have you not seen? We'll get back to that. I know, it's amazing. So the first time that that character died, I was like actually heartbroken. I really love that character. And right after that scene, I died to the boss. I died. So I had to watch it again. And I was just like, I can't watch this again. So the person who originally owned the game, I just had them play and beat that boss because I just, I was like, I can't, I don't want to lose again and have to watch it all over again. <laughs> you know, if I didn't get play this game, if I didn't get sucked into RPGs, I wonder like what would have happened? Maybe I would have kept trying comics or, or who knows? It sounds like a stretch. But when I, when I, when I was thinking about this earlier, if I didn't get hooked on FF7, if it didn't lead me into RPGs and the fantasy genre, and it just, it changed everything I was into and made me obsessed with games. And as I guys told you before, I had only played RPGs at that age, but as, as you clearly see, my, my taste expanded and now I play almost every genre. If I hadn't have done that, like, would I have pursued gaming as a career and creating games and be doing art for games, which is, you know, is my career. So you know, everybody, I think a lot of artists out there are inspired by like a masterpiece or another amazing artist or animation like Disney. Something in them clicks and they're like, I want to be an artist. I want to do that. And to me, I think Final Fantasy VII was one of those things, one of those inspirational pieces that I look to inspires me to create art. For that, Final Fantasy VII is definitely one of my all-time favorite games. This game was huge for me when I was a kid because I had played Final Fantasy 
3 as I knew it as at the time and then all of a sudden Final Fantasy 7 was coming out and I didn't understand the numerology at the time um, <laughs> but I was still really excited for a new Final Fantasy game because I had only played 3 slash 6 and then I saw 7 was coming out so I was getting really really excited for this new experience I never I didn't have a PlayStation at the time but a neighbor kid who I knew who I did play games with did have it so I went over to his place and I played it and this game right from the beginning just blew my mind such a good game I, think, I, I love the graphics at first yeah they're great um, they're still good See, but the thing with this game is that over time, I have become more disillusioned with this game. You know, I don't, I still think it's an amazing game and it's definitely worth playing, but I don't, I don't think it's the best Final Fantasy. And I've said that many times, but it could probably be the second best Final Fantasy. I still think it's the best, clearly. But, but like, that's, that's fine. It's not, it's not like far from being the best. Changed the landscape, though. Like, there's Yo, no definitely. denying its definitely. influence. I'll, I'll, it's, I'll agree. I'll agree. Yeah. I'll agree to all of that. And just so much about this game just means a lot to me. The the stories and the characters in particular are just things that that I really have reached out to. And and I'm sure the same goes with Rob. Like whenever I saw Cloud uh, in another game, like in Kingdom oh, Hearts yeah. or in Urgiz or whatever, I was like really pumped just to play these games just because they had Cloud in them. And I kind of like pretend I hate this game just to antagonize Rob a lot, <laughs> yeah. but I. Really I do. Don't. I do the same with six. I love six. No, I, I just, know, I know. Yeah. But I actually love this game, and and I love Cloud as a character as well. I, I agree with Rob. Like this game is 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 really has been it was important to me as a child, and I, it will forever hold a very warm place in my heart. This game, like I said earlier, changed the landscape. It made it became the first mainstream RPG. RPGs were just a niche until this point, and people started playing this. It kind of exploded. I remember seeing it in comic book magazines. My two worlds started to collide. The story is kind of a convoluted mess, but it's still a really fun story, enjoyable to dive into. But there's definitely some translation issues and stuff, which I can't wait for them to see them what they do with the new game. I'm hoping that they fix a lot of those issues. But but this game is packed with so many seekers. There's entire hidden characters that you don't even need to to beat the game with, but you can still find them. And some of them are just, one of them is just so random. Like you just encounter that character in the woods, and you have to kind of like. Pick the, pick right, the right options, yeah, yeah to, to even get that character. And and it just, this game feels like a massive adventure. Like I said, I was new to games at that point. I thought I was going to spend the entire game in Midgar. And when I left, I was confused. <laughs> I was like, why did I leave? I was in there for five or six hours. This is not the game. I thought I, I, thought I was going to be blowing up macro reactors the entire mm. game. <laughs> and then that's like not even, that's barely anything about it. I had no idea. I had no idea the games could be that long or that in-depth because I was just a noob to gaming at that point, unfortunately. And, and just, there's so much to that game. The Materia system is still one of my favorite RPG gameplay uh, game systems. Like, just, I love equipping Materias to your weapons and stuff. And the, the, the designs and heart's still there. And, and you can, and there's so many cool looking creatures in this game. And, and the game is, there's so many, like, spells and attacks and stuff. And I know that, another thing, I, I guess, the music left. The music oh. in this game, how good is the music in this thing? I like the like I listen to the Black Mages a lot and yeah, obviously it's a lot all Final Fantasy music but um the the tracks of Final Fantasy 7 usually stand out to me as the the best things to listen to from the Black Mages and one thing that I I kind of shared with in our our chat the other day is that I used to run uh, a D&D campaign and I loved it I loved using Final Fantasy 7 music <laughs> to set the mood uh in the D&D campaign and I'd always play the boss music whenever there was a particularly tough enemy in, in Cuz the boss music is badass Cuz the game. boss music is the best You know CG you played a little bit of this game with the show. Uh, you've heard my spiel. You've heard Lef. What are you thinking right now? Well, what I'm thinking is that you, your opinions are, are 
pretty much in line with what I've heard from other people in general, like the consensus in the gaming communities that this game is like true greatness and such and such. My experience playing the game, I felt that I wasn't getting something, but I have a problem in general with the fifth generation, very specifically with PlayStation because I didn't grow up with a PlayStation. I have a problem getting the aesthetic of, of the PlayStation game. So starting from there, I, I wasn't like hooked with the, the general aesthetic of the game. And then the game is really the kind of things that I don't particularly like about gaming, which is a really paused experience. A game that, that is trying very hard to tell a story instead of letting you experience a story. But very obviously I have the unpopular opinion here because games really did change towards that kind of experience. And we see that in modern gaming. Modern games are more like, like Final Fantasy VII than games that I tend to like. Right, so which are more mechani mechanically uh, invested in. I want to ask you, you, you play Mario RPG and you really love the game. I think we talked about that last episode. <clears> and <throat> obviously you know that the same developer made made this. Do you think that maybe it is like largely, like you kind of said, in this aesthetics thing, you didn't play the fifth generation? Because the games, although different, are also very similar. I mean, Square Enix was make, has been making RPGs for 30 years and, and there wasn't that much. There's only a couple of years between mario rpg and ff7 you know if it's just a gameplay that i mean mario rpg is a more simplified version of final fantasy and, and more user-friendly but the guts are still there in both games i think and and i wonder if if it's largely just a theme and an aesthetic thing that's turned that turns you off to, to final fantasy and maybe in general i really would like to see you play six or something to see your opinion on it then but there are elements of that uh most definitely uh because i really don't like how it looks <laughs> I really don't like what, what it's appealing to. It has this feeling and this aesthetic. It doesn't resonate with me. Yes, that is not the main cause. But comparing Mario RPG and the Super Nintendo to Final Fantasy VII, most definitely there is there is a complete change in focus. Like yeah. they, they were trying to to do a really immersive experience in terms of content, right? And of Here course, you cannot put that in a cartridge. Right. And you can see that in Paper Mario, for example. Paper Mario, it's, it's a game that is... While it does have all this narrative, it's done with a different kind of pace and, and yep. with a different kind of focus. So I don't know. It's 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 more about uh, the feel of it, and I don't I don't particularly like the feel of of this game. But there's something about you need to grow up with this kind of game. I I probably it helps. I think people that that didn't grow up with with this game might might share some feelings with me. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that this game is bad by any by any mean. Right. I'm saying that I don't get it. I, I I understand what you mean. Like, obviously, Lef and I have a lot of nostalgia. It was part of our childhood. And, and I do think the game mechanically still holds up. But it, it is not easy to look at if you're not used to that. But so what, what I wanted to ask you, Seiji, is if a miracle happens and you finally buy a PlayStation 4, when this game comes out remade, do you think you'll give it a chance with a more modern uh, touch to the game? That's a lot of ifs. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm willing to give a chance to to any game, and even more so if it is for bonus barrel. So, well, all right. I, oh, Shelby, do you have anything you want to say about Final Seven? I know you. I don't think you've played much of it, but you know the game and the characters. Yeah. You There's say... a thing. There's a thing about Final Fantasy Seven. What's the thing? Um, the thing is, uh, <laughs> you know the habit that I have of of researching voice actors and stuff whenever oh. I remember. <laughs> Okay, and I was thinking about it before yeah. we started recording, and I think it may have all began with the movie, 
with Advent Children. Advent Children, that's right. And I think, and I got to know Final Fantasy VII more through that. And I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I actually I really it. enjoyed the movie. Like Great I have movie. like the the box set and stuff came with a bunch of postcards, yeah, me too. And a little yeah. mini novel and stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's really cool. But a while ago, when I was, I want to say middle school and high school, like kind of transitioning there, I used to watch a soap opera called General Hospital. Okay. <laughs> Which you is are, about you are a grandma. <laughs> no, because it's like my mom used to watch it, so I just right. kind of carried on. But anyway, there was a dude in it okay. named Jason. He was a gangster. Okay, Jason. Okay. Which this show became more about the mob than anything than in the actual fucking hospital. But anyway, so I was watching General Hospital, and then when Advent Children came out, it was like, oh my god, this is the you know the best thing. This is like the height of the the weep Jesus like yes. movement, whatever. Um, <laughs> Movement. Anyway, so started, we watched this, I thought, oh my god, this is awesome. I was like, but I know that voice. I know Cloud's voice. I was like, where have I heard that before? So I'm just like kind of thinking about it or whatever. And then after school, watching General Hospital again, I'm like, wait, that kind of sounds like Cloud. And it's this Jason dude who's the gangster or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> I go look it up, the credit for Advent Children, and it turns out it is him. It's uh, a guy named Steve Burton. <laughs> I had no idea, actually. That's <laughs> who really does funny. the voice for Cloud in Advent Children, and that just like blew my mind. I was like, holy shit. You know, I don't this like... This is a thing. I love Advent Children. Uh, you're right. It was like the weaviest thing. I, I now see it less so in the movie though. and more of the ending cutscene to Final Fantasy VII. Like, you can yeah. just play F7 and throw that at the end, and I'll yep. just watch it as a continuation of the game. But uh, I didn't. I didn't like. Uh, I didn't like Cloud's voice actor because he was too whiny. Uh, and mm-hmm. also, the whole the only thing that scares me about the remake of Seven is if they keep this character path for Cloud. Cloud was, as I said before, I've ranted before. He's a confident, strong character with growth mm-hmm. in Seven. But everything after, he's beginning, becoming increasingly more emo. Oh, more whiny. More that's like more popular broken. though. That's why. That's I, why people like it. And it's weird. God, I hate <laughs> it. I like strong Cloud. I like funny Cloud. Cloud being kind of a prick. <laughs> For like the most of the game, yeah. he's selfish. I don't know. I, I, that's that's my downside. But we should probably move on. All right, number eight. Pokemon X and Y. Number two in Rob's list and 14 in left with 28 BD points from Rob. So as you guys can see, I took most of my points and threw them into my favorite games to make sure they've hit the top 10. And that is why the BB points saved the day as far as I'm concerned. But I know Lef will be glad for this because he, like me, loves Pokemon X and Y. Isn't that right, Lef? Oh, man. Uh, it was, especially this game. This game was so good to me in particular. So good. I absolutely loved it. Because my, my history with Pokemon 2 is that I played Blue and Red, Gold and Silver, and then I didn't play anything until really? X. Yeah. Oh, man. What a nub. What a so, casual. But but no, no, no. But the great thing about Pokemon X for me is that yeah. since I missed out on like three generations of Pokemon games, there were so many new Pokemon for me to explore. So, there really is. So that, that's why this game to me is even better than what it is. As you know, I've played every Pokemon, some, some longer than others, like played through Diamond and uh, Ruby and Sapphire, but just to the Elite Four. I never got into them. Black and White was when I got into it again. But X and Y, as I've said in the show, is one of my most, like, as far as a play file, 
of a non-MMO game is so long. Because the thing they did with this game is they made it super accessible. Training Pokemon and making them competitive in this game is actually reasonable and not buried under hidden mechanics. Like, you can super train your Pokemon, you can see their stats, and, and you had trainer customization, a thing that I've wanted. Which uh, was always. huge, huge, yeah. Yeah, and it was a big jump to 3D. I mean, there was pseudo 3D in black and white with some areas, but it was like, not really 3D. But this was full-on 3D. The settings were awesome. I, I really liked your group of friends you travel with. So the story yeah. was a little little more, I don't know, a little more close to home. Like, I thought. I think the story in Sun and Moon is, is a nice step above that even. Yeah, it introduced new Pokemon. Uh, made So another thing that Sun and Moon is missing that X and Y had is uh, the, the feeling of always being connected. Uh, I like playing MMOs without <laughs> without actually directly playing with people, unless it's friends. But I like the, the community. I like the existence of knowing other people are playing too. And when you're playing X and Y, you have that bottom screen. I, I would always keep it to that screen and just see the list of stupid messages that would come up from other trainers. But it was kind of cool knowing that, that thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands of people were playing it at the same time as, as, as we were. You know, it was a really cool thing to see that lit up. You, you know what I mean, Left? Oh, oh, definitely. I agree you know with I you mean. completely on that. I always had the I think PPS or PPPSS, whatever it was called, yeah. something player search. Um, always had that open myself as well because you know that was your connection. That that's what made Pokemon X and Y at least feel huge. It made it feel global. How and they introduced things like wonder trading, so you can just yeah. put in any random Pokemon and you'll get a random Pokemon. And you know it it made you feel connected to everyone else who was playing Pokemon, whether they were you know a, a friend or a stranger you know you were really well connected by just playing this game and it was such a really cool experience to to kind of see it all come together like that and one thing that i also really like is that you know one thing that that they you know i said i played the first two gens and then kind of broke off from it for a little bit but they also one thing they haven't really been doing is introducing new types of pokemon they introduced oh, yeah. two new types in gold and silver That's and then right. they, i don't think they introduced anything until x and y where they threw in fairy types um so that Which was just cool. a really cool thing to, for them yeah. to do and uh, you know i was kind of in once again sun and moon is falling short on that there's no new typing uh, there's variants which is cool but you know, they X and Y just really brought a whole lot to the table and just kind of made this whole game feel very global and cohesive like that. And I really, really liked it. Yeah, like you said, there there's other things in X and Y that's so great. Like when you uh, fight Mewtwo and you get that remix version of yeah. the Pokemon theme from the original game. That's another thing. Pokemon X and Y had one of my favorite Pokemon soundtracks. I still listen to it. The Rival Battle, which is like this, this spunky, upbeat tune, and, and I love it so much. Yeah, so the music in this game and all the different areas, and it was inspired by what? Yeah, France, I mean, Kalos was in France. Yeah, and uh, it has that kind of weird side story with the, that giant dude and, and his fairy Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but oh, and also another thing it introduced was Mega Evolution, yeah, which is a absolutely. big gameplay mechanic in the last two games where, you know, you basically go Digimon for a little bit where your Pokemon transform into a more powerful one. And I, I like Mega Evolutions. It was a pretty cool dynamic because you, you would have teams set up you never know if the Pokemon has Mega Evolution because Tyranitar is good with Assault Vest, but it's also good with its Mega Evolution. You never know what's going to happen in the uh, the real tough Pokemon battles. And it was really cool adding in the Mega Evolutions for the original three, Blastoise, yeah. Charizard, and uh, Venusaur, because, you know, those are obviously fan favorites. So yeah. it was really cool to kind of see them have a sort of resurgence into the Pokemon series with their Mega Evolutions, because they were really, Venusaur especially was a really, really potent Pokemon when he Mega Evolved. Um, so it was really cool just to kind of see them revitalized. Well, Charizard, both Charizards are quite competitive. Yes, yeah, uh, absolutely. So despite this year being I believe this year is the 20th 
anniversary of Pokemon. Despite the fact that that is the case, X and Y really had a lot of, of homages to the older one, to, to the original one. Like you said, getting the starters, their Mega Evolutions, Mewtwo with the, or with the, uh, the remix from that era. And uh, I'm sure there's other like little nods to the original games and stuff too. Yeah, so I mean that the game is great. I mean, what, I, I love Pokemon X and Y. It's my favorite after Gold and Silver, which is funny. I know I, I was thinking about this and I'm like, why didn't I pump Gold and Silver higher? I don't know X and Y is a little fresher. I think objectively, with you know the the player search and easy to trade and things like that, is really it makes Pokemon X and Y better than Gold and Silver, just in terms of you know the technology that it has versus you know old school link cables, which are very inconvenient and hard to do. Um, so with, with X and Y, I think it's just like it's more modern. So we're it's easier for us to kind of get into it and like it for that reason. Yeah. I've always said to me that uh, X and Y was the next big jump, like gold and silver was a big jump from, from red and blue. And I, I still stand by that uh, to this point. I think that it was the big leap. So at this point, I want to do a little bit of a pause because okay. there's something interesting that happens with the numbers right now. Because up to this point, the largest gap between two games was like 10 points in, in the previous, like, what is mm-hmm. it? 92 games, right? But at this point, we see a difference of 28 points, right? Between oh, yeah. number yeah. 8 and number 7. It's a very large gap of points. And, and another thing that happens is that after number 8, all of the, the games up to number 1 have at least 3 votes. That's so, right. So th- that, that is one of, of the reasons why uh, there's this really large gap in the points. I just wanted to mention that because I think it's really interesting. The reason so, uh, 8 and 9 are, are so high... It's because of BB points. Yeah, if we didn't have exactly. that system, they would not have been in, in the top top 10. And that's that's why I like the BB points, because it, there was that extra edge. Some games wouldn't have been in the list at all if there wasn't for BB points. So, you know, that's... that's. But, but like you said, from this point on, three or more in each one. Yeah, and none of them have BB points. So this is like as, as pure as it gets. Right? Yeah, you're right. Number seven. Left for that two. And this is number 13 in my list, number 66 in Left's list, and number 15 in Shelby's list, which I think it's pretty high in both uh, Shelby's and Anna in my list. Also considering that we also put uh, Left 4 Dead 1 in, in our list. And to me, Left 4 Dead 2 is just that refinement that Left 4 Dead 1 needed. Where Portal was this really super tight package, perfect game, no flaws. Left 4 Dead 1 was kind of a flawed game because it, it was trying to do something a lot more ambitious than, than, than Portal in many ways, which is to have this really new co-op experience four versus like a huge army of of zombies but you could take the the other side like all those elements are in left for that one yes but all of them are a little bit broken not not a lot of of course left for that one is also a masterpiece but left for that two really nailed everything every aspect of that new game aesthetic which is this new form of of cooperative gameplay uh the introduction of what was it the charger the spitter and the jockey really complemented yep. the special infected because there was no way for the infected to separate the, the survivors. So all of the, the new classes have some sort of way to prevent that situation. So that was a really big thing. And and also, I mean, 
using the jockey, the spitter, the charger, I mean, those, those are uh, some of the most fun and most useful when playing the infected side because you can plan new strategies or, or new tactics that weren't possible in the, in the first game. And the general aesthetic of Left 4 Dead 2 is also really novel, where Left 4 Dead 1 had more or less generic level design or, or, mm-hmm. or, or inspiration. This one with the whole New Orleans kind of vibe is it's really interesting. I, I spent a lot of hours, and this is one of the games that I played because a lot of my friends were playing it. And it's, it's a really cool game to tell your friends, hey, you, you want to play a really cool game? You, you bring them to the game, and it's not one of those games that is every man for himself, right? It, it's really one of those games that you, you, you have to take into consideration the other people. All of the mechanics are, are geared towards co-op. I don't know, it was really novel at the time. Never played something like that, and I just enjoy it a lot, and I think it, it, it has aged very, very well. The other day that I was playing with Lev, I was, I don't know, really into it. I wasn't thinking, like, oh, this game has aged, or, or there's, there's other games that have done this better by this point. Left 4 Dead 2 still uh, holds up perfectly, I think. great game i think like one of the things that i enjoyed the most about it was the the level design and just how intense it gets compared to the first one like the level where you're underneath like uh, an overpass or a bridge and it's just all cars with car alarm and (laughs) that's where i love that um i also think there's uh, the level where there's just it's like an abandoned factory and it's just like witches the whole way and they're all walking around too like they're not sitting still they're just all kind of walking around and stuff and that to me, anyway, like, I don't know, were you guys familiar with, like, how you could headshot a witch with a shotgun if you just walked up behind her and shot her in the back of the head? Yeah. Anyway, that made it really difficult to do that because that was, like, kind of the, the strategy, like, whenever I played with my friends, it's, oh, there's a witch that's just fucking kill it or whatever. <laughs> Get that over with. But then you're there and you're just like, okay, well, I can't do this anymore. And they're everywhere. So what the fuck do I do? <laughs> but yeah, I like the addition of, like, the, oh, my God, why can't I? Melee weapons. That oh, was awesome. Uh, it was great running around with like a chainsaw and just and chopping up infected. Awesome. Whatever Seiji says, he's absolutely right. I agree with him 110%. So instead, what I'm going to do about Left 4 Dead is I'm going to share a little story. Seiji and I have actually played Left 4 Dead recently because whenever we did, I think it was our first episode, we talked about Left 4 Dead 1 a little bit. Um, and then I was bugging Seiji, play Left 4 Dead 2 with me, play Left 4 Dead 2 with me. <laughs> and then and then we did. So we played our first match. And, but I haven't played this game in a few years and I'm sure Seiji's in the same boat. So we played my particular favorite level, which is Swamp Fever. And oh, funny. Mud men. Yeah, right? that's exactly right. Oh, those exactly guys are right. scary. <laughs> so, but it was also hilarious because right at the beginning, I'm pretty sure we both died within five minutes because we were both just <laughs> oh not used to playing this game anymore. So we would literally die in the first five minutes and we're like, okay, we need to slow down and coordinate a little bit. Um, this is our first playthrough of Swamp Fever and then we made it to the plantation, which is the final stage. And we were doing our best to try to set it up. But every time, I think like two or three tanks show up at once and they would always yep. kill us. So I think we tried to like, three four times it it was it was like four o'clock in the morning for me and i'm like you know what let's just end it here we'll try this again some other night fast forward a week later i did not want to do swamp fever again but seiji was like let's do it we gotta beat it and i'm like okay fine so we we jump into it we were doing really well we were right on the money with most of it um i think at one point one of us died like at the third last third level or whatever but we made through yeah no i I finished level without seiji once 
So, but he was dead. I couldn't do anything for him. <laughs> so fast forward to the plantation, and we set this up perfectly. We had gas canisters. We knew exactly where to go for when the tears. There's a certain area where you can kind of kite the tank around. So we were we had it all planned out. And so here's what happened in the end of this level. Now, Seiji said that, you know, you work as a cooperative and that, you know, you don't play every man for themselves. So here's 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 how the game ended. We basically knew we were screwed and that we were that our rescue was going to be arriving momentarily. So we both broke out of the plantation house and just ran towards the gate. Unfortunately, I had one health left and I was limping. Um, so what happened is we could see the boat, Seiji was there, I got knocked down by the tank, and then our two computer guys taunted the tank away from me, and then Seiji just left on the boat by himself. So, a game where, you know, it's supposed to be cooperative, I was left completely by myself by my buddy. Seiji, Seiji, not cool, man. No, I just want to share the story because that's what this game is to me. It's these these fun little stories where you can be like, oh, man, remember that time you completely abandoned me and left for dead? So, <laughs> Yeah, well, and I want to touch about the, the, the narrative of the game because that's the per perfect <laughs> example of a narrative that I like, right? You are in the story, but what is going on is happening to you. So you can tell these kinds of stories that happen within the context of this game. What What is the story about the plantation? Well, what just happened right now? And, and there, are, there are many combinations. It just sets the environment so perfectly so that these kinds of things can happen. It creates a, a really strong bond uh, with me because I like the, the world and I, I like the kinds of things that happen in it. Did you guys well know that I played this game? I know you do. I was trying to get everyone to play it, but only Seiji would answer my call. Yeah, I'm playing Rust right now as my multiplayer game. But uh, I, I'm interested, after, especially after hearing his talk, maybe trying it again. I'd like to, to beat it at some point. I, I like the game. It. Uh, yeah, we, we should. should. Four, four people. It's okay. it's the perfect game for us to play. Quite literally, it's yeah. a four-player co-op game. So no, <laughs> I, I think I'd be down for it sometime in the near future. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I love. First of all, I love zombie setting, so that's already a win. And I like I like Valve a lot. And uh, when I did play it, I enjoyed it. I don't remember what I played it on. It might have been, might have been Xbox actually. I'm pretty sure I played it in the 360. Because I actually there was a time in my life where I only owned a 360 and and no, and and a Wii and a Wii and no PlayStation. That's a sad story. But yeah, I, I liked it. I think I'd like to give it another chance. I have it for Steam, so, so we'll have to play sometime. I like um, also like the DLC that came out where it kind of tied like the characters from the first game to the second game. Yeah. Well, what, um, was, what was masterfully done with Left 4 Dead 2 is that Left 4 Dead 2 is basically just has all the Left 4 Dead 1 content. And, and, yeah. and they yeah. added all the, the new, mo the new uh, special zombies and melee weapons are in Left 4 Dead 1. They're, it's mm -hmm. kind of just like Left 4 Dead, and it's just kind of a, a compilation of both games. That's how I at look some at point it. you go back to I can't remember which map it was and well spoilers it doesn't you don't really see it in the game but you can oh find God. Bill's dead body yeah, well, I'm, yeah. I'm not playing now yeah. thanks you ruined the game I'll for get me over it. I'm not playing this <laughs> fucking game now but yeah like I thought that was kind of cool because even though like people get attached to Bill he's I mean it's Bill for Christ's sake but um, he was the grizzled veteran of yeah, the game yeah. 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 but uh, yeah it's just like you know something happened between one and two that he's dead now, but it never explains it. But you can imagine it was probably really shitty for the other three, you know, to have to have seen it happen or whatever. Or maybe it was just, anyway. Yeah. Sad just thinking about it. Uh, it's it's a great game, and I hope we can all play it. We can. Mm -hmm. We have the power and the. Uh, have, the you can get a special a special gun from his dead body. <laughs> Fuck. Cool. <laughs>
All right, let's do the next one. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so number six. Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> This game is amazing. Okay, it's uh, number 50 on Rob's list, it's 34 on Left's, and it's number 6 on mine. It's got no no BB point. Doesn't need it. No, Does definitely not, doesn't not need, need it. it. I think before I played this game, my sister and my cousin and I, we we played, I, I think, Eco, Ico, whatever. Eco! Eco's yeah. awesome. Uh, we loved that game, and then mm -hmm. upon like, and then after finding out that, you know, this other game exists, Shadow of the Colossus and stuff, we're really eager to, to try it. But yeah, it's awesome. Like the world is huge. It's it, and you know, it, you're just just this one guy in this giant map. There's nothing else there. Like I mean, there's like the lizards that you find every once in a while, and you shoot them, and you get health and whatever. But and I think that would like it served its purpose as like being like a conscious like you have nothing in this world. But then when you see your first Colossus, it's like holy shit! Like this game is amazing. And I don't know. I just like the the scale of it and like how epic it is, and the soundtrack is, is amazing. And it doesn't hold up super well because it was kind of like one of the earlier releases and stuff. But it's have you played the uh, PS3 port? No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't, I haven't I actually, either. But I, I, yeah. I hear it probably fixes some of that issue. Yeah. This but, game is uh, very anyway. artistic. Yeah, it's really easy to get lost too. I find. <laughs> uh, and that last Colossus, like fuck that last Colossus. This game has like a massive following. I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a, a entire website dedicated to data hacking this game, yeah. going oh, through really? all the concept. I can't remember the name of the website. You could find it really easy. Like this site is massive, and it just. Right, digs into everything. There, used, there was planned to be like what three times the amount of colossi in the game. Yeah, yeah, something, something like, like that. that. And there's there's early concept for them. There's, there's some textures in the game from them. Uh, so you that's... can get the uh, the sword from Eco in this game. I think can't you? I can't remember, but it sounds like you can. I remember reading about it, and then you can get some like crazy mask that also belonged to like the queen from. Oh, I can't remember exactly how. It I goes, don't know but... if the games are connected or not. Like they probably are. I think it's just like bit, a, but... like an extra like oh you can get this yeah. Kinda. The, the, yeah. ga the game, it, it was super ambitious and super, mm -hmm. uh, you could almost say risky, because this is an open adventure game uh, in the same vein as a Zelda game, but there's no dungeons, really. There's no uh, random enemies. There's no leveling up. You're just a dude with a bow and arrow, a sword, and maybe a few other things here and there, and fighting in a horse, of course. And, Who I thought uh, his name was Egg Roll. <laughs> was it really Egg Roll? <laughs> it's Aggro. It's, it's Aggro. Aggro. Oh, the Aggro, way he yeah. says it. Is just egg roll. I cannot see the character <laughs> calling it egg roll. You know, it's a bit, keep in mind I have not played this fully since since it came out. So I'm, I, oh. I want to play it on the PS3 actually, and I'm really hyped for Last Guardian. But um, mm. and the reason why so many people are, are hyped for Last Guardian is, is how good and unique this game is. Like I was saying, this game was super risky, and it, it is an artsy game because it's just not it's not going to appeal to your mass crowd at a glance. It takes some investment, and I think it pays off. And you guys know me; my game triggers in a positive light is over-the-top, epic mm -hmm. scale, uh, atmosphere, and this game has pretty much all those things. I'll say over-the-top only in the sense of how big the colossi are, but uh, mm -hmm. it's more of a scale thing. But I think my favorite boss in this entire game was the sandworm. 
I, I just think sand yeah, dunes are a, cool. Yeah, in the desert. Yeah, I he just flew too. I think he did. Yeah, and that's nothing about the boss fights evolve. Like maybe not the first one, but most of the as you get through the game, the boss fights become bigger and more evolved, and there's different phases to them. Well, the, it's a game of boss fights. Not every colossi. Well, is that's huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another thing. There's like some like the bull is not very. Not yeah, very big. I hate that one too. Yeah, I do. I didn't like him either. <laughs> the timing was ridiculous. Ugh. Anyway, this game is is just a masterpiece from start to finish. Like when I first started playing it, I didn't really know too much. I was getting myself into because I was like this is like you said not your traditional game in any kind of sense because you know I knew that oh I'm going to be fighting these giant monsters the Colossus or the Colossi you know I expected that I would encounter some sort of resistance to the the Colossus but that doesn't exist in this game but the challenge is very real with how you're combating the the Colossus and you know for the most part you're like with the exception of the smaller ones but for most of them it's a climbing thing you're climbing all mm -hmm. over them you're finding the sweet spots and then you're bringing them down from there and it was an adventure in itself to figure out how to down these gigantic monsters and it was kind of this like David and Goliath kind of story where you're just, you know, I, how am I how am I supposed to even begin to overcome the challenge of taking down this gigantic creature? So it really kind of puts you in this kind of like very overwhelmed kind of sense where you're like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do against this thing. Like, what am I supposed to do? So the challenge was very real and overcoming it was such a good feeling, especially whenever you would like, you know, pound your head against the wall being like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. It's not quite working. <laughs> um, and then once you overcome that, it, it feels so good. You know, it doesn't um, feel good though? Killing what? them because it's sad. <laughs> I didn't think it's it was sad, sad at first, but it's kind of a little sad. There's it is. A little bit. Now, yeah. what sealed this game to me as something that I'm going to remember for a really long time is I'm not going to spoil what the ending is because I want Seiji to play it. Yeah. Um, but the ending to this game Ugh. is so friggin' good. I was oh, amazed by it. I was of too. The ramifications of it. Yeah, that's what he gets. It was so crazy. We got to revisit this ending specifically. Once Seiju finally plays it, because I got to rant about that ending. As We've been fact, talking about this for a year, to be if honest. If Seiji will play it, I'll, I'll replay it for the show. Maybe we can do a full episode on it. There's some complaints about this game. And by complaints, I mean only because the story is well enough story -wise, that yeah. I care. It's not like a complaint like, oh, this is bad. It's like, I felt sad and I don't like that. And then it opened up too many questions, but... It's just imagine a Zelda game where you just fight bosses and ride a pony. <laughs> That's pretty much what this game is. <laughs> Seiji, any words on uh, this game? I've heard it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to play it. But you see, I am a player that gives up really easily, right? <laughs> I... At least he admits it. I know, I know. It's just funny this, this is to hear you like flatly say, I just give up easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have limited time for gaming, right? So right. when I feel like I want to play, I almost always play the same game. I just keep returning to the same game. So whenever I have to try a new game, I have to try really, really, really hard. And I've started this game twice, actually. I beat the first Colossus, like, twice. And both times, I had some problems hooking up the PS2 and the television. And there was a lot of friction in my experience playing this game. And then once I played it, I always got the feeling that, okay, this dude is trying to save his girlfriend. So he's going to go and kill these innocent monsters that don't have anything to do with... They're not evil or anything. That They're not doing anything to anyone else. Or at least they don't explain it. So it sounds like the story of a villain. like a story of a <laughs> Oh yeah, villain, he's right? doing it for completely selfish reasons. <laughs> so I was like, uh, I don't feel really good doing this kind of thing. But that is not the reason I stopped. I'm honestly very interested in playing this game. It's just that it didn't hook me, right? So mm -hmm. and, and because I tend to give up really easily, 
that's why I haven't taken the time to play this game. And also, I don't have an easy way to play this game. All that friction is preventing me from, from actually uh, you know, playing this game. You probably can download it on the but I uh, play PS4, it. maybe. I, I'm, not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not positive. You can, you can for PS3. I'm not sure if you can. Uh, I don't think so, because I think I got it in a Humble Bundle like a while ago. And really? I only had the key for PS3. Yeah. Maybe you should get a PS3, Seiji. And a PS4. Yeah. I'm not sure, though. <laughs> I completely disagree with you on on him being a selfish villain character, though. I think he's a tragic hero. You know, he's trying to do what he needs to do. You know what I mean? Like, sure, it's not the greatest thing, but I don't look at him as a villain in any way. He's the tragic hero. Well, let's put it in, in a real world like example. I mean, Seiji, you love your wife probably more than anything. And if you could save her by killing, let's say, 12 special lions, there's probably a part of you that's going to want to kill those lions to save her, right? Yeah, Does that make you a villain? In, in well, things are very complicated because from my perspective, I'm just doing the things that I have to do in order to keep the things that I yeah, love. Yeah, exactly. Right? But, but I from other people's perspective, what if those lions do something, right? Exactly. Yeah. Part of, a, of a magical balance that if you... <laughs> but if you, if you knew that, them, would you still hunt the lions? Babies die or something, so. I don't know. <laughs> That's what makes well, it a good thing, though. You have that confliction. But also, you're right, though, because there is still a confliction there. It's like, mm -hmm. he's still... I don't. I disagree that he's evil. I'm with Lef. But I don't think he's evil, but I he's think not he's good. very selfish. Yeah, absolutely. What he's doing. I don't. 100%. You don't think he's selfish? Well, no, no. He's, he's trying to save someone else's life, not even his own. At the expense of others, though. So there's still a selfish motive there. Even if In he's a trying way, to save his, like, his wife, it's still a selfish thing for him to do to sacrifice others. I think yeah. she's already dead, but he's trying to bring her back from the dead, right? I can't remember. remember. Yeah, I don't uh, that or a coma. recall. She's she either yeah. asleep or she's dead. Yeah. She saw something tragic and stricken into a coma. She's been brain dead for like four years and he's sick. Basically a vegetable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's basically a vegetable. <laughs> this is an inside joke. The thing is that there are consequences, right? So if mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. this world, in order to bring someone from the death, you have to go and kill this thing, then you would expect that there's a high demand for for that kind of magic, right? There is. Did some... you speak to the dude in this guy yet when you played? When I played, I just like saw the intro and then I went and okay. killed the first one and that's it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, people, I think, could make the argument, and I'm sure you could agree from if you're watching a movie or something like that, that heroes with conflicting uh, motives and stuff makes for a more in-depth story or character. So I, I think that sometimes games have to be very black and white you know mario saving the princess is pretty standard but when a game causes you to pause and think and and have you kind of ponder these things i think makes for a good special experience too and and i think that's, that's another reason why shadow of the Colossus is so high on people's lists i think it's more humanizing in a sense you know because no one's perfect like mario and me so <laughs> Robbie. No, what i mean is that if you're going to take the action of defeating an enemy it's probably because the enemy did already something wrong to you somehow mm -hmm. even Revenge has something that is noble about it. But in this game, it's like something bad happened to you, the character. Mm -hmm. And then someone tells you, well, here's the solution. And then you go and start the violence, right? So it's, it's, it's good, the yeah. It does, it's, there's layers to it. And I think, and I I'm don't disagree sure with are, you. Yeah. And I like that about it. Because I think there's room for everything. I like, I like the standard stories. I like, I don't really play the villain paths in games very often, but I do like that there's the option. But this one is a lot of shades of gray. And you make some great points and Left makes some great points. And, I mean, I make great points all the time. <laughs> So, and then Shelby makes some points. And so, you know, I, I think that's what makes this game so good. <laughs> no, I have an incomplete picture here, guys. Like, mm. I don't know much about the game, like the first like half an hour or something. So, no, but.
but, but I'm quite frankly, in the story. Quite frankly, Sage, you do have a good understanding. You know, once if you see the ending, you would understand a little more fully, but you're completely on the right track with how you're thinking of the game and the storyline within it. And it's probably part of the narrative, like to find out more about these creatures and w- yeah. about this world and what's going on. So that's why I'm interested. I'm just saying that that's one of the things that caused me friction. Like, I feel like uh, this is kind of wrong. So <laughs> immediately when you turn off your console or whatever, there's an amount of friction to get back into the game, right? It's like sitting down, finding the time, hooking up some TV or whatever. So to <laughs> me, that was like another layer of friction on, on top of all the other stuff. But <laughs> it, someday it, it, we'll I'm sorry. It's just like, it oh, I hate hooking up my console. It's such a chore. Well, it's because it was an old PS2 that didn't <laughs> have connected. Um, to you. Like, the only reason why I kept PS2 in a box in a closet was to play Shadow of the Closet. So one day I did it, but it created such a mess that I put it back in the box and I put it back in, in the closet, right? It so, scared you. And uh, you never be able to so get it's over a it. very particular situation here, but let's let's move on. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll come back to this game someday. Enough, enough of the morality behind Shadow of the Colossus. Let's, let's go to the morality of the next game. <laughs> oh, lots of lots of morality. Actually, you, Rob, might have things to say about. I do now. The, the animal death in this. You don't oh kill. My God. You don't no, kill I'm animals. So sick of let's, Rob. Let's announce it. Let's announce it. Animals okay, in no, no. Game. Let's okay, announce okay, it before okay. we get into it. <laughs> okay. Number five is Minecraft. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't kill. Okay, I played this game. I did not kill a single animal while playing because I don't want to kill an innocent animal. So I just grew vegetables. I had an amazing I farm. I remember. <laughs> I remember, t- like, you were just like, how do I survive? How, what kind of food can I eat so I don't have to kill animals? And I had to list off, like, all the ways. Like, oh, you can make bread this yeah. way. You can make this this way. You can make I just made whatever. bread all the time. Yeah. And potatoes. Um, that is so funny. It's sad, man. I can't. <laughs> I just, look, if I'm in a real world situation, oh, morality's back. Uh, and I have to kill an animal to eat. Like, if I have to do it. I'm not a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a hypocrite. But I don't Big think time. I can kill an animal until I'm at the point of starvation. Otherwise, I would just try to eat vegetables. Yeah, and you were pretty much at half a heart the whole time you were building your house. So. I got eventually, I got good though. I, just, <laughs> I explored a lot of this world. I'm, I shat on Minecraft for a really long time, but I've played about 25 hours of it in like like a week. So yep. now I can say things about Minecraft, but please Shelby, this is your game. I'll shut up now. It's okay. Um, yeah, so it's uh, number 10 on Sagey's list, uh, 28 on left's, and it's 39 on mine. Anyway, uh, yeah, this game is very friendly. I mean, lots of kids play it. Jesus. Tons and tons of kids play it. It's good for like casual gamers who just want to pop in and just kind of build whatever. Like, it's really like a game that's suited for do whatever the fuck you want and have fun doing whatever the hell you want to do. I don't really have like a whole lot to say on it. It's just awesome. I could And never... I love the music. The music's great. I loved I always loved getting the jukebox and like collecting the <laughs> the, the records. They're hard um, to find. They are. So sometimes I'll just like be down like in a cave and there will just be like one randomly like floating down water. And I was like, okay, and then just pick it up and not question it. I have no idea how anybody can play this game alone. It's so depressingly empty if you're by yourself. I, I just don't get it. Like, it's it's so, it's too open. And then why build stuff if no one else is ever going to appreciate it? Like, so these are the things I don't get about this game. 
at the same time, if you're playing with a group of friends or maybe on a multiplayer server, it's it's quite a bit of fun, actually. The thing with Minecraft 2 is that the way I've always looked at it is there's two distinct ways to play this game. There is survival and then creative mode. So there's two absolutely separate modes. So obviously creative mode is just for the builders. You know, you just want to, you don't need to worry about your resources and supplies and stuff like that. You just really want to just build structures in Minecraft. And, you know, that, that's a fun way to play the game. But that's not, in my opinion, how you should play the game. You know, to actually experience a game. Because, you know, there's no challenge. You're more or less playing, you know, some sort of building simulator or if you're just playing creative mode. Um, but survival mode is really, I feel, the bread and butter of this game. That is, you know, that's when you have to eat food and you need to, you know, search for the proper materials and, you know, look for diamonds and then eventually build your portal to hell and do all this crazy <laughs> stuff like that. So, um, portal I'm, and then I'm, another portal. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a firm that. survival player. And mm -hmm. what's really fun about this is, is Sage and I kind of, get into a lot of Minecraft discussions and because we like to see how other people like to play Minecraft. Sage and I have a very similar way that we play Minecraft where we kind of have these preset goals we need to hit until we're kind of content to where we are. To, to, to me, it's just it's really fun to see how other people play Minecraft because when I was playing with Rob and he was really new at the time and pretty much I was pretty much just farming for you guys. That's all I was doing is I was just <laughs> getting food ready and Rob would go out and die and then complain and then he would go back oh, out and the die adventures. and complain. Keep I got wolf ahead. friends. Remember, yeah, you got your wolf friends remember that and body? you were stealing my carrots all the time. The first – okay, real funny story. The first night I played this thing, I was not gung-ho to play Minecraft. I don't even know why I played Minecraft. I, I had to, I convinced Sundary J to play. Right. And then everything kind of fell in after that. Too many friends were forcing me to play at that point. And I, and I was itching for a multiplayer game because I was kind of kind of burned out on Overwatch. So, like, the first night I was playing, I was angry. I was like, I don't get this game. I hate this game. Why am I even playing it? And I remember it was, like, 2 a.m. And I'm like, <laughs> I was out in the middle of nowhere. And I was just, I just wanted to get back to our base, uh, back to my shitty home that I built. My first home that got better. I'm running over the mountains. It's nighttime. I'm scared. I'm, I'm hungry. And skeletons are after me. And I had a whole bunch of stuff. And at this point, you know, you <laughs> die, you lose all your shit. And I am not, I don't like to lose my stuff. And so I kept dying. And like, I got to go back for my stuff. And you guys are like, Rob, don't go back for your stuff. It's, there's no point. Just farm new stuff. And, and right. You I, kept getting attached to your stuff. And yeah. Like, and I, new stuff. And I know at now, because I, I played for like a week, and I played a lot in that time frame, that yeah, it's really easy to get the shit that I was getting. I, had, I <laughs> After that night, or maybe a night after that, I started getting to the point where it didn't matter anymore, because I knew how to play. But that night, I did not, I don't like that. So I would keep going back, and then I would die again. And and I remember I'm like overvoiced, and I'm <laughs> cursing and, and stuff. And eventually I get to the point where I just kind of broke a little bit, and I started becoming loopy. And I went to your farm, and you had just carrots, and I stole... All of your carrots, and I'm like giggling, like I'm a carrot thief, left, and I, and you're like, don't take my carrots, and I'm like, I took all your carrots, and I'm eating the carrots, running in the wilderness, and eventually, I found these fucking wolves, and I had bones on me, and I fed them, and I had, and then I was running with my wolf friends, I'm like, sweet, I have wolf friends now, and we, then I go back and I find my body, I'm like, yes, victory, and then I, I was died shocked again. when you told me you found your stuff, I know, and then I died, <sighs> but I went back, and keep in mind, I was really far from the base with no real idea of how to navigate in this game, but I still managed to find my way back to my body three times. I managed to get two of the wolves back. One of them, Stealing my died. carrots every time. Yeah, and I would, and I would, and once left told me not to the first time, it was hilarious to me to keep stealing the carrots. So I would like, left, I died, taking your carrots. And I would grab his carrots and run off and to die again and wait carrots. 
<laughs> Anyways, that was my favorite part of Minecraft. If somebody kills an animal and cooks the the stuff like from it, will you eat it yeah, then? Yeah, absolutely. Just like in real life. But you you can't do it yourself. Like, could you kill an animal to feed yourself in real life? Easy? If it was a survival situation, yes. What if it was just a casual situation where you could eat like you do now, but you'd had to either farm or eat? Or farm <laughs> a or casual animal. butchering situation. Yeah, you like, know what I mean? Like, I couldn't just casually eat an animal. I eat an animal because I live in the real world and I'm lazy. No, what I'm talking about, like, in Minecraft, is somebody did because you oh, have yeah, of problems with killing it I yourself. I just can't kill them. I feel guilty killing them, but I can eat them. No, I'm pretty, sure, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure you ate meat that I cooked oh, for I you did. a few Oh, I did. Absolutely. And, and if I didn't have food, I'd eat other people's, or take it from their chests and stuff. But but I just didn't want to kill them, because it's sad. I don't like killing, I don't know, they're in, anything, if it's innocent, I don't like to kill them. Except for, All right. except for hookers and Grand Theft Auto 3. <laughs> but I was <laughs> in high school. Rob said something really interesting about Minecraft, which is there's no reason why anyone would play alone. I agree. I think the thing that fuels Minecraft the most, it's the social aspect of it. Even if you're playing creative by yourself, at some point you want to share what you do, what you constructed, right? And if you're playing survival mode and you're building all this stuff, to me it feels a lot more meaningful if you have something to share it with. I can spend hours playing by myself, like hours, hours, but I need to, to feel like at some point I'm going to bring someone and I'm going to show off everything that I did in Minecraft or, or I'm going to share the resources. So it doesn't make much sense without that aspect. And Minecraft came to the world at the perfect moment when the internet made a lot of social interplay possible. And in that sense, Minecraft is the perfect game for these times. I got into Minecraft in a similar way that Rob got into Minecraft, which is my friends at the time were talking a lot about Minecraft. And, and you get interested in these stories because they are creating this narrative. There is something that is going on in the world and, and the longer you, you play Minecraft and the more people play in the same server, it becomes more alive and there's a story in it. And you can ask like, who did that castle over there? That is, uh, I think, what fuels Minecraft and that is what is bringing me back into the game. Even if it's just one person to share it with, but this is, this is a sharing experience most of all. I'm just so grateful that Minecraft exists because it's such a, weird game to to pitch in this day and age where you need to have a very strong idea so that you can convince the people that have the monies to <laughs> to green light this this game like how, how do you pitch this game it's a game that you do whatever you want it's the it's seinfeld about, of video games <laughs> yeah and, and with the looks that it has i mean it wouldn't compel anyone to to invest any money in it's it. gross i played with skins but to me it's it's one of the greatest not only games of all time but one of the greatest game related events it transcends that category of games again to me it's, it's the last thing that happened to the gaming world that was as big as this I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the crash of 83 the the nes and super mario brothers the development of 3d graphics the wii minecraft things that mark the history of video games in in a huge way and minecraft share a lot of the other elements which is that they sort of happen accidentally and they are product of their time. Next one is number four. Mario Kart 8. 
is number 17 in Rob's list, number 5 in my list, number 54. 54 left? Come on. She's left. Come on, man. Get your act together. I strategize a little. <laughs> hey, did you also notice that I voted for every game in the top 10? So. Mm. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the top 12 actually left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mario Kart 8 is very near and dear to my heart. I love the Mario Kart series in general, but when I saw Mario Kart 8, because I, I like Mario Kart DS a lot, but when I saw Mario Kart 8, I was like, oh, this is the future. <laughs> it was <laughs> so mind-blowing to me that it looked the way it looked, that it felt the way it felt. I, I don't want to brag, but I, I consider myself a good Mario Kart player. Come on. <laughs> Is that Erica? <laughs> oh, that was the best sound bite ever. Oh, God. Um, and back to the reason why we play games when we were talking about Final Fantasy VII. Like, I play games because I want to feel certain things. I, I don't want to put a game and be told a story. You know, I want to be part of that story. I want to be an active part of that. And if a game doesn't have a story, but allows me to experience some some types of experiences that I, I want to experience, doing something, getting better at that activity, that is what gives me the most satisfaction playing games. In Mario Kart 8, when I played it, was like the midnight when it when it got released and I just played it and played it and played it and everybody was talking about it and everybody was playing it for like the next two months which they were playing online. Hell yeah. So I got all the content really quickly and I got the configuration that I liked which is Ludwig with the uh, Mr. Scooty and the button wheel. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. Like I, I would see that character and I would hate him no matter who was playing him. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so we are in this world where uh, the social aspect of games uh, makes it even more memorable, more enjoyable. So that Luigi stare thing, uh, I mean, <laughs> nobody had a Wii U. Even so, I mean, everybody liked the idea of Mario Kart being in the media. Our friends uh, actually got the game and got Wii U in order to, to play Mario Kart 8 because it was so pervasive in that specific moment. So I enjoyed it so, so much. This is one of the main reasons why the, the Wii U is uh, my favorite console. And I just like the way it feels. It's both competitive, but it's it's more approachable because they removed some of the convoluted mechanics or controls that, for example, Mario Kart DS have. Maybe I like it very so much because I'm, I consider myself good at it, but yeah, I don't know. I, I love this game. Um, first of all, safety hacks. There's no way that that anybody uh, consistently is that good. <laughs> However, the times where I beat Seiji, it's like I've beat the machine. So that always <laughs> felt good to me. So whenever I could beat Seiji, which would happen every once in a while, I mean, you know, I, I, sometimes you were beat, and it was, and when I did it, I felt really good. Uh, but I also hated playing against you because you just you're you're a machine or something. I don't know what you're doing with the game. Sometimes you, your character because of lag. For my on my side would look like he's teleporting ahead. I know you're not really cheating, but I suspect some <laughs> wizardry in there somewhere, some some sort of shenanigans. And uh, Megan, of course, would hear me playing against you, and I would constantly be like, "Oh shit, there's Seiji. Well, there goes my place. I'm I'm not going to be in, in first anymore, or even second at this rate, because he'll knock me back." And you would be like miles ahead of people somehow, because once you get ahead of Mario Kart, if you don't get a blue shell, nothing happens. Just stay ahead. You just got to get that one lead, and it's super rare to get out of that lead. I love this game, even though I'm, I'm kind of half ranting about it. It's frustrating in as, as much as it is fun. It's the best Mario Kart game. 
the best racing game by far and is the most visually appealing racing game because the Wii U is not as powerful as the other systems, not even close, but they were able to craft it in this their timeless Nintendo style. There's, there's, there, it's obviously very stylized. It's cartoony, it's bright. Because of that, it's going to age really well. And because of that, because they're condensed courses, they, they stand up with other games of this era because it doesn't need all the crazy effects and stuff that make games look realistic or whatever because it doesn't need to look realistic. It's a beautiful game. Uh, it's That's one of my favorite things about it. It's just packed full of of like Mario lore and Zelda lore and Animal Crossing and 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 F Zero and the music is so good. Like the the Hyrule stage is one of my favorites and it's and it's only a DLC. And I hope that the Nintendo Switch version of this adds more tracks. I can't wait. I'm gonna play it again once it comes out. I'll, I'll probably get hooked again. Great They'll game. Just add cloud. They'll add cloud. Yeah, just yeah. For you. <laughs> add cloud and and like the Midgar stage. And oh man, now you're making me dream, Shelby. So I used to love playing this game online in particular, and I, I never consider myself amazing at it, but when I would play online, I would do fairly well, usually first, second, third place. I was actually riding really high on that for a long time, and then when I when I kind of met uh, Seiji and Rob, and we talked about Mario Kart and everything, and then I said, you know what, I can probably beat you, because I'm so good at playing online, <laughs> and lo and behold, I couldn't even come close to competing with Seiji. That's why I beat that's you why too. You could. Like, you and I are pretty even whenever we played. I remember um, you but... came on and there was, like, lag or something. Because I remember, because you were, like, talking a big game. And I think the very first time you played, there was something wrong. Because you were, like, not doing nearly as good as I thought you would. But uh, <laughs> I, either way, I thought I was good at this. And then I saw Seiji play. And then you're like, oh, so this is what someone who's actually good at this game is like. <laughs> so it's just, he's actually, like, crazy good at, at Mario Kart 8. Um, and he, he actually, just watching him play, I, I saw shortcuts I didn't know existed. So I got better just by watching him. You know, um, uh, but anyways, what, my favorite thing about Mario Kart 8 that I want to talk about is I think this is the best DLC for a game I've ever seen. Almost doubled the amount of courses that were in the game. They Obviously, they're revisiting old ones and putting in new ones adding link and the hyrule level was really cool uh the animal crossing level that changes every time you play it is really cool as well the the dlc in this game is the most worth it dlc i've ever seen and it really makes this game kind of complete with the dlc it's still a great game without it but with it it's just so so complete um and i just i really really enjoyed playing mario kart 8 i still i still play it once in a while Great game. Oh, and one thing that, that Seiji was kind of talking about, how he has his, um, you know, he always plays his Ludwig. And what was your, your setup? He is Mr. Scooty and Button Wheel. Button Wheel. See, I would always use Pink Gold Peach. Uh, I would use the Flame Rider. And I would typically use uh, Crimson Red, I think the wheels are called. That was always yeah. the setup I would go See, for. I, I mean, just like you two, I, had, I would play Link every once in a while, but he was not my main. Rosalina on one of the motorcycles i can't remember which body with the and I, I don't know the names but there was the red wheels uh was the ones i had the most success with and i and i, I just think rosalina's the it's best probably the crimson character. slims probably is it's one of the one of the earlier wheels to be honest but uh that was always my setup for the most part i would play link here once well because it's link speaking of oh, link geez speaking <laughs> of link oh so so yeah maybe so number three is i guess a zelda game as rob has alluded yeah. to um it is also the best zelda game in this humble person's opinion legend of zelda link between worlds
So, there you go, um, P1. Yeah, P1 is go. very happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> we actually got a tweet this episode uh, while we were talking from P1 saying, uh, I better get some love for A Link Between Worlds. Yeah, so, number three. It is number 45 on Rob's list, 16 on Seiji's list, and 12th on my list giving it a grand total of 296 points uh, for our third top spot. And this game is so well-deserved. Definitely deserves to be within the top 10. It's shocking, uh, def- actually. It, even in the top three. I'm kind of surprised that, you know, our list is so fucking weird and crazy <laughs> that I'm glad that something so strong made it so high up. Let's just um, be real. The original game, A Link to the Past, would be in almost everybody else's number three slot if you oh, had to have d- a Zelda there. And, and that's the thing. Like, Link, Link to the Past is an amazing game, and it has such an nostalgia for me in particular i'm sure for a lot of people as well but it's hard to acknowledge the fact that objectively that game's better than link between worlds because it's kind of not link between worlds is just such a great game from start to finish and this the change of mechanics that they put into this game is why it's so good so why i love this game so much is just the way you acquire items is just so perfectly done every zelda game you know you go through a dungeon there's a chest where you get a bow or a boomerang or your typical zelda arsenal but what they've done differently in this is i'm sure a lot of people who've played this know is that you're pretty much given all these weapons from the beginning of the game so you have a shop where you rent your weapons from so all of your typical zelda weapons that you're all familiar with like bow boomerang all that stuff hookshot you know i'm talking about they're all <laughs> for rent from colorful character. Rovio? What's his name? I can't yeah. remember his name. Yeah, Rovio. something like that. What a twist um, with that character. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, and then you can eventually purchase them. So you rent them, and then when you die, his little bird comes and takes them from you. And then you can, you can purchase them so you can permanently keep them in your inventory. So, because as someone who has played a lot of Zelda games, especially the 2D Zelda games, you know, I don't, it's not very exciting for me to play through a dungeon and get the bow. Like, I don't give a flying fuck about the bow. I've, <laughs> I've used the bow in so many games that I don't see the need to go through all this trial and tribulations just to get a weapon I've already used countless times before. So they have instead kind of mixed it up where they allow you to just purchase the weapons. And for most seasoned Zelda games, this game is not hard. Personally, I didn't die once when I played this on, on my first playthrough. Oh, so pants. I never once actually had to you know rent a weapon twice so it was never a problem for me um but it's still a mechanic that i really appreciate that even if it was a more difficult game or if i was newer to the series um i think it's still a solid way to do it and then instead of giving you your typical zelda arsenal throughout the dungeons instead they were giving you significant upgrades to your weapons or your armor and, and things like that so it made things better like just the way you received items in this game just it took the zelda formula that we're all familiar with and then it just perfected it. That's kind of a thing that we talked about with a lot of these games, how, you know, with Portal and Mega Man X and Left 4 Dead, how they've all kind of started with the base game and then they had something to kind of perfect their formula. And I'm kind of thinking into me that Link Between Worlds is that for the 2D Legend of Zelda series. I really wanted to just add to what you were saying a few seconds ago about the items and what they replaced it with. Because so when I found out that you could rent those items, my first thought, and also you get to upgrade them later as well, which is another yes, really yes, cool thing. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. there's lots yeah, of side quests the, and all stuff. It's, it's, it's an amazing game. Is uh, I was worried that the dungeon would be less exciting because for me, an exciting part of a dungeon, maybe unlike you, is getting the bow. I, yeah, the bow is not exciting, but getting a new tool is exciting. No, no, I, I agree with yeah. you that it's exciting. It's just getting the same stuff over and over again is right, where right. we're lacking. You excitement. get excited for the new stuff, but that's not my point. My point is what they replaced it with is just as good. Like you said, like I like going in and getting armor. The fact is the that they replaced it with something just as good. 
that made if they didn't have those extra things in there, then I think you would be missing something from the dungeons because it would be yeah, I'm going to fight the boss. That's cool, but you know, getting a treasure chest isn't quite as exciting. But because they put these things in there, that it made them just as fun. It made them even more fun because you never knew what you're going to get, like a box of chocolates. Right, left? No, no, I, absolutely. I agree with you. I agree with you. <laughs> Love this game. Oh, and you know, we've talked about this before, but the mechanics. The, 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 oh yeah, the right. thing you that I hated. I hate the I hate the look of uh, of hieroglyphic stuff, but man, it sucked me in fast because I love being able to jump onto the walls and stuff. Yeah, I, I'll kind of agree with you on like kind of the art style for the hieroglyphics was kind of weird. And it, I, I personally, I still don't think that particular like hieroglyphic link really fit well with the story. Like, I don't really know why they went with that art style for Should that. Have been stained glass window link. Yeah, I'm not yeah, even being exactly. sarcastic. Like that fits the Zelda. That would have fit more. better. I agree with you completely. But d- despite the art style choice, the mechanic is just sound oh it's so um, good it's, it's so good and, and it kind of allowed you to do cool things too because you know one thing that you kind of have to end up doing a lot of is you know you go along the wall then you pop out and yeah. you'll either scare like someone st- or knock something off the wall by popping out it was it was a great mechanic it's like a stealth element to a zelda game which Just i never about, thought of it before yeah. really it kind of does have that element one last thing i want to add is something i've said before is i that fight with the shield boss one of my favorites jumping onto the shield and, and yeah. you can't find you anymore oh man it's so good so good When we were talking about A Link to the Past, and I think I mentioned that the reason why A Link to the Past wasn't higher in the list was because of something that we were going to talk about later. Well, now is the moment. (laughs) And it's because of this game, of A Link Between Worlds. To me, the Zelda history, uh, in terms of game development, has a very clear path of perfecting the formula, right? So you start with, with the first Zelda, which is very different from all the other Zeldas in terms of progression. Because that game lets you go to wherever you want to go. So you can you can tackle dungeons uh, freely. Now, granted, the, the original Zelda is deemed to be uh, too hard. And then the second one is deemed to be kind of weird. When they got to the third one, I think they tried to fix this thing about the game being kind of difficult. So they linearized the progression of the game. And they got a link to the past. Link's Awakening is kind of like the same the same thing. They put gates in the progression in, in, in the form of the items that you're getting in, in the dungeon. So there is a clear way to tackle the dungeon. So you go to the first one, you get an item, the item that allows you to progress, and then you get to the next one and so on. Pokemon does a very similar thing. Ocarina of Time is very similar and Wind Waker is very similar too. But I think the formula was really perfected around Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker, the, the progression aspect. But then when they got to this game, I think they said, okay, we have the formula perfect. We have a lot of the elements already in place. How can we do things better? And I think that what they did was thinking about the first Zelda. The first Zelda is the most is one of the most ambitious games of all time because there was nothing like it. And they have this really weird progression. It's really ahead of everything. It's ahead of time. So I admire Nintendo so much because they were able to go back to something that they already fixed and went back and said, okay, maybe we didn't fix it. Maybe we just changed it too much. And maybe there are lessons that we learned in, in, in all of these years of making Zelda games. And they came up with this thing, which is really the best of both worlds. And it's really difficult. It's really difficult and also was unnecessary. A lot of other companies wouldn't have done this kind of thing. And I think that this is the same thing that they're doing with Breath of the Wild. And they're going to take the best of all the other Zelda game and they're going to make this new thing. And that's going to be probably the definitive version of a 3D Zelda game. But in terms of a 2D Zelda game, yes, A Link to the Past is a great classic. But this one 
it's just it's just better because if you say that a game is better than a link to the past which is in the minds of a lot of people the best game of all time if you say that just it's just better it's saying a lot and it is. that's yeah and that's what i what i have to say about a link between worlds all right all right Good. oh boy Number two. Number two. So one thing I just want to call out quickly is that number two is a unique on this list. Yep. For the only reason that this is the only game that is on all four of our lists. <laughs> and so, vastly different spots, too. Like, yeah, look, yeah, look at the layout of it's, this. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting just to see how we, we all ordered it, too. Um, so this game obviously is transcends everybody. <laughs> and that is Super Mario Bros. 3. Yeah. Um, so it is number 5 on Rob's list, number 23 on Seiji's list, 62 on my own list, and then 97 on Shelby's list. Actually, you know you noticed something? You, you were kind of bragging about um, your placements of things list. You have a, a number in every one of this. I was just look, taking a look at the list right now, and most of my top games are in this list. My number 5 game, my number... Uh, four game, my number two, my number one, my number seven are all in the in the top lists. Because I have the best taste in games. Because you agree with people, that's why. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, man, um, Mario 3. Mar- so Mario um, 3, yeah, absolutely. But isn't this the game that P2 predicted was on all of our lists? Uh, I think said- it is, actually. I remember when we or when he had tweeted that he thought <laughs> it was that. And then I think Seiju was like, holy shit, he knows this. Yes, that's it. right. Yeah, that we know yeah. ourselves. <laughs> gotta throw, I gotta throw PT, P2 a bone. It just, it's, it holds such a strong place in my memory yeah. because I played it a lot on NES, and then I also played it quite a bit on Super Mario All Stars. My Super, yeah, Nintendo. yeah, same here. So I, I literally played this game for for both NES and Super Nintendo quite a bit, and I'm pretty sure I beat both of those games like two to three times each. Uh, so I, I've played this game so much and like, there's so many little secrets and, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes you would do speed runs and then other yep. times I'd be like, well, I, I, I haven't done I so do every stage. Cause I, so I, I kept speed running. So then yeah. I went through and then I played every single level and yep. then, uh, so you kind of go through it in, in multiple different ways. And I have a funny story I want to share about this game, but I want you guys to talk about it first. One real thing about quick thing about this game. So this is one of the first NES box games I bought while collecting. I got two versions of it. One really shitty one that has like a not for resale label on it. And then I got a, a nicer box. Uh, anyways, the reason why I bring that up is because in the back of that box is something that was always perplexing for people for a long time. It was because there's a screenshot of a level that's not in that game. But in the uh, Super Mario Advanced Mario 3 version of the game, you, they actually, you could get those levels at the e-card reader, uh, which is a f- an episode someday, maybe. Not that I have one. But um, so it was kind of fun even even back in the early days. Like, oh, where is this level? It's not in this game at all. Uh, we can mention the fact that the wizard was basically a commercial for this game. A The wizard being oh, yeah, a, yeah, a, a yeah, full-on theatrical movie with, with at the time, biggish stars. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, every if you didn't have this game, you knew someone who had this game. So, you know, in, in the late 80s, early 90s. And... Super Mario All-Stars was kind of the same vein, but this game is like one, if you if you look at the actual progression of Mario, everybody knows that Mario 2, which isn't on any of our lists, although maybe it should be, the game's great. Anyways, Mario 2 is not quote-unquote a real Mario game. I, I think it is a real Mario game, but it's not in the right order. You go Mario, and then Mario 2 uh, from Japan, which is a lot like Mario 1, just a harder version of Mario 1. With the Lost and Levels then, or whatever Yeah, it is, well, we or... got it as Lost Levels, but then you jump yeah. to Mario 3, 
And you look at Mario 3 from 1 and 2, and that's a huge leap. Artistically, thematically, mechanically, uh, it perfects everything Mario everything Mario 1 and 2 did and added so much more to it and, and just made the game a lot bigger. And it's, it's such a great example, much like Pokemon to Pokemon Gold, of what a sequel can do uh, when they really expand on what makes the first game so great. And that's why I like Mario. That's one of the reasons why I like Mario 3. Hey, Shelby, please tell us anything you can about Mario 3. It's very vague because it was like what we played before we got like the N64 and Ocarina of Time. Um, but there are a little tricks, like a few things that if I go back and play it now, I'll remember specifically like, oh, if I do this, then like, you know, or if I go here, I can get to this. If I can get the flute here and warp to another blah, 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 like, you know, just little things like that that I still have kind of stored in memory. It's just little things that you don't ever like forget. Yep. Some 15, 20 years later, no matter what. It's true. And, and I think it'd be really fun for us to, to play this again sometime, multiplayer-wise or mm-hmm. whatever. Because cause just like you, I haven't played in a few years. And, and I didn't even beat it until I was an adult, to be honest. I, I just had never finished it as a kid. And I think mm-hmm. I finished it on an emulator. And I've since finished it again multiple times. We could never get past World 7, I think it was. The Pipeland. Yes. That, that's another Fuck thing. That fucking, oh my gosh. It is hard. That game, that's another thing. No, it's definitely it challenging. harder and harder. Yeah. Iceland, the music in Iceland is so... Chilly. I love yeah it's good it is good <laughs> hammer bro suit I always loved the hammer bro like that's yeah. another thing about these games is is it has the most distinctive like uh cohesion like you know I complained about Mario 3d land doesn't have the cohesion this one the power-ups and the worlds I just you know you yeah. they're so absolutely they're, they're so connected even though they're they're themed but they feel connected you know everybody I think most people's favorite was big land to be honest but uh I I was always partial to cloudland uh, where you mm-hmm. start in the ground, then you go into the tower in the sky, despite the fact that it was always hard for me as a kid. I, I, I get such anxiety when I play games where you can fall to your death. It doesn't matter what the game is yep. or how good I am at it. That I was just... the, the, fourth, the fourth level on the, in the first world where it's like oh, the, yeah. the camera is going and you have to jump on these platforms and some of them fall like Less underneath you and you're just state. like, fuck this. <laughs> the scrolling yeah. stages, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, and, this, and that's the nice thing about Mario 3 is the, bran- the, ban- the branching paths. That's still... that's that's. That's a thing that's missing from so many Mario games is that world map mm-hmm. setup. Uh, the new Super Mario Bros. kind of dropped that for a while. And since they've since kind of brought it back, but I just don't, besides Mario World, I just don't feel like... They didn't that. quite bring it back in the not same the right sense, way. Right? It, it, so. there's, even though it's not an exploration game, I mean, yeah, the levels you can explore, because there's a lot of secrets in these levels, but mm-hmm. th- that aside, the game itself feels a little bit like it has an exploration element because you can take different paths. You can unlock shortcuts. Things like the ghost ships will spawn on the map, and you have to race to get it, or the Hammer Bros, or the or the the uh, yeah. card game. There's there's so many fun little mini games that are integrated so well into this game. They just I, I have a question. I yeah, have a question. Yeah, yeah. Real quick before I fucking forget. Okay, so you know, in the, the second world is the desert, right? Yep. Okay, yep. so towards the end, I remember somewhere off the right, there was always like a pyramid or something, or like a space where it looked like you could go there, and I'm not yep. sure if you could. And me and my sister were always trying to figure out, like, how the fuck do we get there? And we never figured it out. So is that a thing? Uh, if you're talking about... <laughs> yes. I, yeah, it was somewhere off. I remember it was towards the end. Yep. It, I think it was like before or after you the, break this it big with, pyramid level. You get the hammer, you break it. You get the hammer, I believe. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. you go to uh, a side area with some mushroom houses, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And That's World cool. 3 had an awesome one like that, too, where you took a canoe across two islands where you would get... I remember the canoe. Yeah, I, I definitely love that. <laughs> big fish in, uh, I think it's level 7 or 8 of World 3 is still a bane of my existence. That's the stage where the where the level's going up and down in the water and the giant fish, and no matter if you kill me, comes back and just will eat you. I think it's called Big Bertha, actually, is the name of that, yeah, is the yeah. fish name of that. 
Big Bertha. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the actual name of, of the oh, enemy. Boy. Oh man, there's so many memories of this game, and and just mm-hmm. uh, I just I've played it so many times as a kid. Like I said to you guys when I was talking about Seven, is I didn't have a lot of money, but I had Mario Three, and I, and so because of that, I I played this game so much, and it's like just burned in my memory as one of my favorite games of all time. My fifth favorite, apparently, according to my list. Oh it's a beautiful Left, game. you said you had a story? Okay, so, this kind of, it, it's so it's so reminiscent. So, there, there, there's a big reason why this game is just never going to leave my memory. And so, as a child, as I have mentioned on, on numerous occasions, I was sick a lot. Um, sometimes I was self-imposed, sometimes I was just <laughs> sick. Um, so, I was actually in and out of the hospital a lot as a kid. Um, I sometimes had to spend up to a month at a time in the hospital. Jesus. Then I'd go home for about two, three weeks and have to go back. Um, so I, I, I had a lot of medical issues as a child. Um, now, don't, don't worry, that, that's not paramount to the story. But what is paramount is that the hospital I went to, obviously I was in the pediatric ward. They had a Super Nintendo. They had Super Mario All-Stars. Um, no other kid there really seemed to be interested in playing video games, so I kind of had it all to myself. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the nurses typically would roll the TV and the Super Nintendo into my room, so I wouldn't even need to go into the little game room to play it, because no, yeah, no other gross. kid was really interested. So anyway, so I was, like I said, I was in and out a lot. I knew the nurses. I knew the doctors. I was, I was uh, 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 a big shot when I was there. You are the cool kid. Um, <laughs> I was the cool the kid, yeah. Ward. <laughs> the pediatric ward. Anyways, so... Um, anyway, so I had I had the game set in my room, and then the nurses came up to me, and they said, "We there's this new kid who's who's here, and they're like, well, to be honest with you, he's he's very uncooperative with the nurses. We're one, like, do you, because they had the Super Nintendo in my room, they're like, can we take the Super Nintendo, put it in the game room so he can go and play games? And I'm like, that's, that's absolutely fine by me. I'm like, I'll even do you one better. I'll go and play games with the kid. Nice. So he was like a few years younger than I was at the time. Um, and he was just like, he did not want to be in the hospital. He was like yelling, screaming, all this kind of stuff. Um, so I showed him Super Mario Bros. 3, and we were playing it together. Um, and then and so once, so he, he was really agitated when I first met him, and then we played Mario Bros. 3 for a few hours, and then he he calmed down, and then at that point, I was like, I'm going to go back to my room because I'm going to sleep or read or do whatever it is I, I did at the time. Um, and so that, that was all fine. So I went back to my room, and then the nurses came up, and they're like, oh, he seems really good now. I'm like, yeah, I showed him a game. He's just having a good time. Um, move on to a few days later. I hear... Like noises in the hallway, like like almost like a siren type thing, and I was like, "What's going on?" So basically, what happened is that the kid was so the nurses were like talking to him, and then he was just like, "So what's so like like how are you you doing better now? Like you're not having all these like you know crazy aggressive um, outbursts and stuff like that." And then so he told the kid, or the the kid told the nurses that basically he's like, "No, no, no, everything's fine now. If I feel like I'm going to die, I will go get Jeff, and then he will save me." Jesus so that's Christ. what they, that's what they told the nurses. Now he was talking about the context of the video game. Oh. They did not oh. realize this. <laughs> Holy so crap. So basically, they oh. were freaking out because they thought I was like resuscitating him or something Jesus like that. <laughs> um, so then I had a bunch of nurses and doctors come into my room being like, what are you doing to him? And I'm like, he dies in a video game. And then I come and then I show him how to get past it. <laughs> and then that's when they realized how fucking stupid they were acting. Oh my God. And then Thank they God realized that he was just like talking this. about a video game. So That was going to be so heartbreaking. 
And <laughs> thank God. Uh, oh, man. I thought that the kid was like, you were saving his life. Like, not no. like emotionally well, saving his life. That, that was the funny thing, though, is that everyone thought I was saving his life when in reality I was just showing you how to be a level shit all. Super Mario Bros. Mario. Yeah, exactly. That's so, fucking just, awesome. So that, that story just, it's ingrained into my memory. Um, basically, some, some kid. Nurses thought he was dying, and I was saving his life. I was almost you're uh, a hero. superhero. You're, yeah. you're, I would say you're like Batman, but Batman sucks. You're like Spider-Man. There, there we go. There we go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Super Mario Bros. 3. Uh, it's it, it's so iconic in my memory for that and many other reasons. Man, so. that's, that's great, dude. Before revealing number one, mm-hmm. uh, I have some stats that are really interesting. It's really quick because I don't, I don't want to keep the suspense... <laughs> um, but it's, these are really cool stuff too from all of our games and this is the generation analysis we oh. don't have any games from the first nor the second generation we have 7 games from the third generation 17 from the fourth generation 11 from the fifth generation and then surprisingly we have 20 from the sixth generation <laughs> 22 from the seventh generation and 18 from the eighth generation that's the current one right is the current generation isn't that amazing like, what was the highest again is the uh seventh all right generation. so the ps3 and we area yeah, that's that's pretty surprising in a way that is kind yeah. of surprising but is it really yeah. surprising uh, given how many great games have come out in the last 10 years even like every year i feel like gaming gets better despite if you, you strip the nostalgia aside i think every year there's there's so many good triple a indie handheld even mobile games that come out it, it's it's surprising, in, and it's also kind of not surprising. When I was uh, uh, calculating these numbers, I was really surprised that, that we had, like, most of our games are from, from the sixth on generation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, was like, there a generation games. specifically that you thought were gonna ha- or was going to have more? The fourth. Super uh, Nintendo? Uh, yeah. Because yeah. that's the generation that we grew up in. That we, that, that's the most that we talk about. Super mm-hmm. Nintendo... Maybe even the fifth one, but the fifth has like 11 games. So that's. <laughs> this is just a continuation of that. We have six games from the 80s, 28 games from the 90s, 37 games from the 2000s, and 29 games from the 2010. That's amazing. In terms of. Oh, crazy. Again, the 2000s is the one that has the most games. And this, this is no surprise at all, but this is an analysis per country. So Canada has the one game. <laughs> So Sweden has two, the UK has five, uh, USA 20, and Japan 72. Jesus. Oh, We're shit. a bunch of weebs. <laughs> yeah, apparently. What's the hey, Canadian they game? Games, they man. do make good games. What was the Canadian um, game? Assassin's Creed 2. Oh, oh okay. Oh, yeah. Ubisoft. Yeah. Ubisoft Montreal. Ubisoft Montreal. Yeah. That's awesome. Go Canada. All right. So I have a lot of information about uh, platforms. Please. So... I have two games from PS4, seven games from PS3, 14 games from the Super Nintendo, five GameCube, six from the NES, two Game Boy Advance, eight from Xbox 360. I have one Xbox One game. <laughs> might not be an exclusive, might have been like a multiplat, right? We have five games from the Game Boy, three arcade games, five Nintendo 64, three PlayStation, two Nintendo DS. 7, 3DS, 7, PS2. And here are the surprising ones. The best for last. We have seven Wii U games. <laughs> of course really you wanted cool. to highlight that. <laughs> That's really cool. And most surprising of all, we have 21 PC games. 
The next two stats are games uh, by developer and publisher. Uh, From Software has two games. Blizzard has three games. Game Freak, four games. Konami, four. Valve, six. Square Enix, ten. And Nintendo, 21. Yeah! (laughs) And there are 43 games that are from a bunch of other developers. Mm -hmm. But Nintendo is by far the one that that has... Uh, so the most. N- Nintendo kind of dominated our list. Nintendo makes that's... good games. I mean, let's be yeah. real. You can complain about the hardware if you want, but their games are always like A plus. Uh, almost always. And it? and if anyone is not convinced about that, so this is the next that is gonna really uh, finish the job. So uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is by publisher. So Microsoft one game, uh, Sony three games, Valve six games, Capcom eight. Square Enix 9, others 32, Nintendo 41. <laughs> well, there so, you go. 41% of the list. Good job, Nintendo. It was published by Nintendo. And there's a bunch of little data here. We have 55 sequels, 7 <laughs> indie games, 44 first party games, 7 licensed IP games, 20 spin offs, 30 multiplats. Damn. Interesting, oh. too. And, I oh don't know, this is the last, I promise. <laughs> uh, by, by franchise. This are, these are uh, franchises that have multiple games in the list. So, uh, Shelby's going to like this. Phoenix Wright, two games. Yes. Yay! Going there, <laughs> there are two Mario Kart games. There are five Zelda games. Ooh. Five Mario games. And surprisingly, and Lev and Robert are going to love this, there are six Final Fantasy games. Yeah! That's not a surprise. No, it's not. How many Pokemon? So, there we go. That's for stats. And game number one on our list, the BB's favorite game, mostly, is... Super Mario World. Number four on my list, number four on Seiji's list, number 21 on Left's, and zero on Shelby's. No BB points. 340 score. The next highest last game was only 316, so that's another jump. That's because of me and Seiji mostly. Uh, man, Super that Mario That is the World. largest gap. The, it, yeah, exactly. The only game that I can think of that could beat Mario 3 in terms of Mario games is Mario World. And it's not an easy <laughs> choice for me. As you can see, Mario 3 was my number five. And Mario World number four, and, and I and I wrestled with the two, but uh, Mario World was the first game I ever beat, and and the first Mario game that might have been purely my own outside of maybe Mario One, and and when it comes to world building and, and cohesion, it outdoes Mario because the whole world is one gigantic continent that you uh, you traverse across with hidden paths. It's 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 like Mario Three. But just done better. It's a link to the pa- link between worlds version of Mario Three. I think is Mario World. It's just expands and 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 pushes everything just a bit better. And man, uh, this game is amazing. The music is great. Uh, the setting is great. Yoshi, what an awesome character. I love Yoshi. Uh, and oh man, I don't know. The cape is my favorite Mario power up. Always has been. Uh, I just love. I love it. And you can do way more with the cape than you can with the Tanuki feather. Um, man, this game. It's a great uh, tool for slaughtering things. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which which I can't wait to get Shelby's opinion shortly because Shelby's I lent her my cop my my Game Boy Advance version of hers so she could play it for this episode. So she'll have some things to say for, about this one for sure. 
uh, but just a little more gushing. I love the Koopalings. I wish that they were used more. Thankfully, they're coming back more often, but there was a while they're just forgotten. I love the Koopalings. Although, canonically, they're, they're not, canonically, they're not Bowser's kids, so that's weird. I don't know where they come from, who's their parents. Maybe maybe he's a babysitter for the kids. I really don't know, but they're they're not his his child. World's worst babysitter. Maybe the novels would tell us because they're obviously all canon, right? <laughs> yes, the, the, the choose your own adventure. Uh, Mario Three mm-hmm. N World had two uh, action since, since you brought the novels had two uh, Saturday morning cartoon shows that were terrible, but I love them. Uh, Mario Three and World were I think in term other than the fact that they're the biggest mainstay, maybe were the one of the height of the popularity of Mario. Like it. They were McDonald's toys, they were comics, they were cartoons. Nintendo was everywhere. And I just feel... I mean, Mario World was a pack-in with the Super Nintendo, if I'm not mistaken. At least it was with the one I bought. and Or rather, my mom bought. And uh, I just remember playing that, fighting with my sister, because I did not want her to play it. And eventually, she just gave up, and I played it all the time. Just uncovering every secret. And it's a game I've revisited many times. I was playing in the Game Boy Advance one just just last month before I lent it to Shelby because I love the game so much. It's so good. Man, good game. There's very little else that I could say about Super Mario World that hasn't been said that, that people don't know instinctively in their mind. Think about Super Mario World and, and imagine yourself playing it and there are some elements that are so strongly identifiable of, of the platformer. This is the best platformer that there is. People keep playing it, keep finding stuff. I mean, when, when Super Mario Maker got released uh, last year, the one that dominated all other <laughs> all other themes was Super Mario World Absolutely. because it has the it has the best physics, the best controls, the best look, the most charming, yep. the best colors, the best everything. In Super Mario World, it's, True. it's just superior in 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 every way to any other Mario that has been released. Uh, to me, Super Mario 3D World is is close, but of course, Super Mario World that timelessness that it has, and and it's it's a game that that's probably the game that I played the most and that, that I play consistently. Like every year, uh, there's there's no year that passes that I just put on the game because I want to feel it. You know, it's like I don't know, like like something that you want to to feel, and there's nothing else like it. This thought is really really sad, but I don't think Nintendo's <laughs> ever going to make a better Mario game than this one. I can still, I hope you're not right. I can still see. I was just <laughs> thinking about this as we were talking about it. I can still see myself the day I, I beat this game i remember where i was i remember what my room looked like and i've never thought about this place it was just a little apartment i lived in while growing up i think i was in grade two or three when it happened but just closing my eyes and, and thinking about it i can just see the, the shitty tv i had where the nintendo was was sitting uh when i act the day I, it was sunny when i beat it so it was in the middle of the day it was on a weekend and i remember i can just start seeing like my room I, and i never i never think about it but i just it's it's becoming so clear to me because it was such a big moment for for little kid me that just i don't know like something about this game just it, it's just stuck with me my entire life and and i guess it was my first gaming accomplishment if if there is achievements in games back then it would be my my first one my first uh major achievement and it doesn't sound like much because people were playing and beating games all the time back then but for me i just didn't have a lot of games and and i, I wasn't that great at them i guess because i didn't beat them most of the time but but just playing through and and just because the game gets a little challenging, you might not think so. Mario games nowadays are so easy, but Mario, but Mario Three and, and World were not easy games once you got past a certain point. And 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 it's worth worth noting that I don't know the game's so good. 
in in Super Mario World, when it comes to the challenge that you're talking about, like it's it's definitely there. Like it it progresses nicely when it comes to the challenge, and then it just fucking spikes whenever <laughs> yeah. you get to like the Star World. Gnarly. I can't remember exactly what. Yeah, yeah. Cowabunga. Um, so when, when, when you get to those levels, it's so punishing. Oh, well, man. I've the never bonus, beat them. You don't. You I I have um. A friend of uh, of mine and myself in high school, we actually went to 100 uh, percent Super Mario World and Yoshi's Island. We tried 100 percent both of nice. them. Um, we didn't succeed succeed at Yoshi's Island because getting eight red coins in every level was a pain in the butt. Um, <laughs> but the Super Mario World we we did accomplish in the end, and it was a, a, a great feat for us to have been able to do it. Um, but kind of getting back to this game is that you know I've mentioned uh, maybe every episode of Bonus Barrel that I love the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like you said, this was the game that came with the Super Nintendo. This was the staple of the Super Nintendo. Yep. And so, sometimes you kind of look at it being like, oh, you know, just toss that game aside. That's just the one that came with it. Um, you don't need to worry about that one. Go out and get something good. <laughs> um, but like, it, it, it's so, it's really speaks a lot that, you know, this was the game that came with it. And this was probably one of, you know, the best game to actually play for the Super Nintendo at the same time. Um, so it was really cool to kind of have that experience right off the bat where, you know, usually you don't get such an early release game for the console to be the apex game for that console. So it just really goes to show that they really had Super Mario World right. There wasn't really anything wrong with this game. Um, the only thing when you're talking about comparing Super Mario Bros. 3, how this is better in every way, I kind of like the music to Mario 3 a little bit more, I think. They're both good. Um, yeah, they are yeah. both excellent. Super memorable. But I think, Unlike exactly, New Super Mario right? Bros. There's like no fuck. I hate God. I can't stand the music. I know I've played it at some point, but I just I don't remember it enough to to have put it on my own list. Uh, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with it. It's uh, it's really cute, and I really like the 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 art style. And I like that like the older Mario games. They still hold up. There are still games that are coming out now that like you know everybody likes keeping the retro like eight bit sixteen bit games alive and you know just kind of carrying on that legacy and stuff. So and and the music's awesome, of course. Say but I love the cape because as I said earlier, it's the perfect tool to slaughter your enemies. <laughs> I just spam every time I have it. I just spam it. I just spam all the time and just kill everything. It is powerful. Um, I like going for the the Yoshi coins. They're they're awesome. Um, I had. I think mentioned maybe in the waste of time mini BB. Well, I, I can't remember if it was there. If it, I mentioned to you guys in person that I had played or I was bringing it to play at the driver's ed course that me and Robin and Megan were taking. And uh, yeah, at some point I did. I didn't see my game, so I'd gotten all the way through the fucking donut planes. And then when I opened it again, it was like, oh, you're here. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, no, I don't want to do that all again. So before this episode, I played and I got through them, and I'm in the vanilla. Vanilla Dome right now. <laughs> so. Do you think you'll keep playing it despite the fact that we've pa- we're passing? Oh yeah, it? it's it's fun to pick up too. Like you don't have to. I mean, there's no there's no rush. I don't want to say there's no story either because there there's kind of like a mini like and it's not like super, yeah, it's not important. You know, whatever. So Save it's not the like princess. Yeah, it, it's not like I'll just play it and then leave it for two months and come back to and be like, oh, what the hell's happening? Like it's pretty. <laughs> where was know? I in this but, game? But I yeah. might wake up one day and like, oh, where the fuck is my uh, Mario and, and Game Boy Advance at? <laughs> no worries. Yeah, and then you'll ask for it, and I'll just be like, no, but I want to. You know, maybe I'll pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. To me. Uh, anyway, so do you think if you had um, played this before we did the list, do you think it might have made your list? I think that so. Yeah, I think it probably it number one. Oh yeah, for sure. 
It probably well, would have ended up somewhere around where Super Mario's or Super Mario Bros. Three ended up it, it's on my list. Cool too. seeing your opinion on it because you don't have the nostalgia and childhood stories and all that shit that we have with it. But the fact is that you know you're like ten and you like this game, and that's a really good testament to this game. Well, when we were ten, we loved this game. Yeah, and so that's great. That's good. It shows you how timeless Mario World is. I think I think we're good to end it. We this is uh, like the longest maybe episode. Let's let's end it. I, I'm okay with the fact that this episode's extra long, and I think people. This has been our top. 100 uh, games. We're, now we're going to go back to more regular episodes talking about specific games, news, and whatever else crosses our mind. I think it'll be nice in some ways to, to get back to that a little bit. On the other hand, I am going to miss the list too. So mm-hmm. we'll have to do, we'll have to do uh, something big for our next next time around where we need to do big lists. We'll, we'll figure out something fun. Maybe the top 100 sports Yeah, games. exactly. Maybe, top, maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll do top 10 BB game uh, genres like Shelby said. Who knows? That's the, Honorable mentions maybe? Yeah, that might be there's, a there's a lot of things. Also, we should post our lists and you three should get to submit them to the CC. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's easy. You just copy and paste. Okay. Well, guys, thank you so much for, for those who have listened and those who are enjoying the list and stuff. I hope you stick around. But uh, thank you for supporting it. Our episodes have been more played recently because of this. So, uh, again, I hope people stick around. But uh, And if you, <laughs> I know some of your games didn't make the list, and I'm sorry. It's a personal list, not a – we said the disclaimers. But, you know, thank you for listening. CartridgeClub.com or .org, BonusBarrel.com, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. You know where to, to find us. So, uh, thank you for listening. This is Rob. And Shelby. Le- and Seiji. Enjoy. Enjoy.